Well, I want to welcome everyone to another episode. Today, we have a couple of speakers that I'm really excited to introduce to you. And the topic, along with the last interview and the future interviews that I've kind of got going on, have a theme, which is healing. Healing can feel very murky. We can lack language to help people to move from point A to point B to point C. And when you're trying to help people, point B really matters. And so we have a very special couple of guests today, Lindsay and Jim Long, have been members of the ICOC for over 30 years. They have three adult children and currently attend the North River Church of Christ in Marietta, Georgia. In the last six years, Lindsay and Jim have pursued spiritual and emotional healing that led to their involvement in soul shepherding, which is kind of the focus of what we're going to get into today. They graduated from soul shepherding. Uh, it was a two-year program for spiritual direction uh, certification program, which is a growing field. And I'm really excited about hearing more about that. The Longs are now assisting the founders of Soul Shepherding with the Soul Shepherding Institute. And then there are four retreats over the uh, two years that they'll tell us a little bit more about. Uh, Lindsay and Jim, welcome to the channel. Thank you for having us. Yes, it's an honor, Kyle. Well, there's a lot I want to get into, so we're going to get right into it. First, I just want to start out with what led you to both pursue spiritual formation the way that you have decided to pursue it? Um, well, we were both got to these places where just, I want to say, spiritual dryness um, for both of us. For me, it was hitting my head against, uh, is this all there is? Is this all that's going to be? Um, and getting to a place of feeling like I just, I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't being enough. I wasn't good enough. That was my inner dialogue. Um, very, very uh, accusing and shame based. Um, and I knew that, I, I mean, I had gotten to where I wasn't interested in it was hard to read the Bible um, because I was so used to hearing scriptures in a certain way, in a very accusing way. Um, so it wasn't something that was bringing life. But I knew that that wasn't it. There had to be more. Um, and patterns that came up, I think, for both of us that just seemed like, why can't I get past this behavior? Why can't I get be more disciplined. Why can't I, why can't I, why can't I, you know? Um, and for me, it was some old childhood wounds kept, just kept resurfacing. The, the um, consequences of them just kept coming back and um, knew I needed to walk into that. Um, we went to a, uh, workshop in Denver uh, hosted by Dan Allender and John Eldridge called uh, Restoration of the Heart. And it was amazing and put language to, Dan Allender did a class in that workshop on trauma. That was the most validating, impacting thing I had ever heard, just the, the truth about what trauma does. And when you have trauma, when you're very young, your body holds it. Your body holds trauma. And even talking and talking about your story, if you're not talking about your trauma from a place of safety and rest, that it can be re-traumatizing. I mean, I, to be frank, I, I left that 
retreat angry. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> in the healing prayer, it was a time of, you know, receiving something from Jesus and just a place of, of rest. And he's got gifts for you. And I got nothing. I was like, I'm not getting anything. But the thing I left with was you have to come to healing from feeling safe and feeling rested. Mm. You cannot push, pull, manipulate, control. You cannot make yourself heal, you know? Um, and so we actually uh, had been invited in through our church to do several restoration of the hearts for um, uh, different congregations and invited people in. And <clears throat> at each one, I kind of stepped back and didn't uh, participate in a leading role in those. I was doing a lot of admin and organization, but just being present to the classes and listening and just constantly, God, what is it? Asking, what is it? What is, what is my roadblock? What's in my way? Um, and I think it was after the third one, for me, it was just we were in the car coming home and i had the thought god is not safe and i spoke it out loud i said i think i know i i'm getting this god is not safe and when i said that it was like breaking an agreement mm. i had that was a lie that i had believed and when i was able to when god spirit gave that to me um it was like no i know that's not true Jesus is safe. God is safe. I just don't know God the way I need to know God. Mm. And so, so then it was throwing my hands up and saying, God, you have to show me who you are because I don't know. I don't know. I have not experienced you in this way. Um, so something, you know, in my walk with him had gone off kilter. And um, so for me, that was the beginning of just reaching out and, and, um, going into finding more contemplative practices. Um, for me, the Lexio Divina, the first time I did that was, was transformative in how I was able to receive God's word. Um, just and surprising. Uh, anyway, it was those practices put me in, helped put me in a place of really experiencing God from a place of peace from a place of rest and and completely flipped my identity as i'm not good enough to really believing that god loves me for exactly who i am right now that i don't need to be any better than i am right now for god to love me any more or any less than he does mm. and that was freeing that was freeing to be able to really receive him that way brought so much healing, so much healing. So. Well, my, um, my story is very similar. Um, I think, um, in my, in my mid fifties, I started really, um, some of the trauma and the wounds again, were bubbling up with me. Um, and so, um, I, I was, I was driving, down uh down to florida for a, a work thing and um this old song came on um i want to be like jesus or i want to be more like jesus and it just wasn't true i wanted to be you know the best father the best husband 
um, the best worker, a successful businessman or whatever, but, but it had been a long time since I thought about really wanting to be like Jesus. And I think part of that was I really didn't believe I could be. Um, I thought it was just uh, like this high ideal that I could shoot for. Uh, and I was just grinding it out, grinding out, trying to do the right thing, trying to be, um, just make things happen, even spiritually. Um, and so I was just frustrated. Um, but then at the same time, um, you know, those, those wounds, those traumas started bubbling up again. And so I decided that I just can't keep living this way. I, I ended up, um, back then, that's been close to 10 years now, I think, um, there weren't there weren't a lot of people in our our family of fellowships, you know, the fellowship of our churches that were talking about healing. Um, then it was it was kind of like you know more about performance, more about that, or at least that's what I was hearing. Maybe maybe they were out there and I just didn't know. But um, I had read some books by John Eldridge before that had been really helpful. So I started looking up video and everything I could get um, on his website and saw that there was, um, he, he talked about integration, talked about integrating the younger version of yourself back into your adult self. And I had experienced some, some tr really huge trauma um, with conflict between my parents, really violent. Mm. Um, and <laughs> so I, I got back and I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finally get some therapy. And, uh, and so I sat down and I wrote down every trauma that I could remember. And I actually put it in a spreadsheet. And um, because when I looked at all of the, the, the instances of trauma and wounds, I knew I didn't have enough money to get therapy on all of them. Mm. So I rated them <laughs> and I picked the, the top three. And then I went to a very gifted uh, therapist and, and said, listen, this is what I want to do. I want to talk about these traumas, uh, and then I want you, you know, to do whatever you do as a therapist, and then I want healing prayer. And so um, he laughed because he said he'd never had someone come in and tell him how to do his job. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, but we did that, and um, and that was really the beginning of the healing. It wasn't automatic, and it wasn't immediate. But walking back into those traumas uh, allowed me uh, to, to have appropriate anger for the things I'd seen uh, and been part of and been, you know, in the middle of trying to, to fix. And um, so that was, that was fantastic. And then, like Lindsay said, we went to the Restoration of the Heart in, uh, in Colorado. And that was the first time we'd heard the name Dallas Willard. Mm. Um, and I, you know, when I hear somebody like John Eldridge talk about somebody he reads, I'm going to read that person. I'm going to, I'm going to find out what they're reading. And so, uh, we came back and then we, we kind of have th this funny story that I came in, um, I came in from the garage and Lindsay was at, at watching TV. She had uh, YouTube up and, um, she said, Jim, I've got a new man in my life. <laughs> And um, I and she goes Dallas Willard, and uh, you got so competition. She had, some, <laughs> she had found some video, and then so we just everything you know we everything I could get my hands on every video, audio, book, paper, 
thing on their website, whatever I could find. And it was really speaking truth uh, into just made sense. It made it let me look at scriptures completely differently instead of the way I thought what I thought it meant. So that's that was really the entry. I'd never heard of spiritual formation. And so that unlocked Richard Foster, oh, wow. Celebration of Discipline, and then, you know, all, you know, the Renovare resources that, that Dallas and Richard, you know, when they started Renovare and um, all of that. And so, um, and then Lindsay came across Soul Shepherding by, mm-hmm. um, by searching out, you know, some specific things that, that um, were topics that we needed to deal with and uh, that I needed to deal with. And... Um, and so that's how we got connected with soul shepherding because they quote Dallas so much. They were personally, um, mentored, uh, by Dallas and Jane Willard. So, uh, that's, that's how we got here, I guess. That's the, yeah, we started listening to their podcast. They have a podcast called soul talks Mm -hmm. and just, um, the way they, they do it together and they, the, the way they communicate and model, um, empathetic listening. Uh, they're just wonderful. They're just the real deal. Yeah. Well, there's, I'm looking at the questions here and I'm seeing here, okay, we have the Christ stages, but I wonder if we should start out with just an overview of soul care and if the Christ stages kind of fits under the umbrella of that. Is that, is that something you guys want to kind of do? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So give us, give us a, a, a brief, uh, overview, just kind of the 10,000 foot view of soul care and the soul shepherding and so forth like that. Cause I think there's a lot of names that people could get confused on just kind of maybe clarify for a moment. What's what, uh, their real mission when the reason they left, um, being therapists and started this, you know, ministry of soul shepherding is because they saw that, um, uh, ministers in particular, really pastors, uh, preachers, people that are in the full-time ministry, uh, really were not getting the kind of soul care uh, that they needed uh, to really have a sustainable life. So, um, soul care would would be, you know, taking a look at uh, your relationship to God and your view of God, uh, what you get your identity out of, uh, a, a list of things like that. But they were seeing just how burned out. Uh, ministers can be that that the majority uh, had never taken a sabbatical, hardly ever took retreats. Uh, when they when they read their Bible, it was mostly about putting together a sermon, not really for caring for their own soul. So they started uh, they started just uh, doing offering soul care to uh, to people in the full time ministry and um and helping them walk in listening empathetically like lindsay was talking about having small groups uh that that grew into uh the institute the soul shepherding institute which is what you referred to earlier kyle the four retreats um that make up this institute over two years and so that is um the the first one is no, we don't need to go into the details, but there's there there's a, a focus for each one of them. But what they found is offering retreats, people could go off and just completely unplug, uh, maybe a guided retreat with you know certain certain classes, but not 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 conferences. Mm. 
uh, much more retreat where you're really unplugging, where you're getting lots of time just to, to go out and, and, and experience God in a different way. Um, that was the start, but I want you to. Yeah, add. I think that soul care, what, what they realized and, you know, Western, probably typically evangelical um, religious institutions run on our Western culture mindset of performance doing, you know, we want to, it's the right word, quantify everything, numbers, all of that. Um, and soul care gets pushed to the side when you're doing and doing and doing and performing and pushing to make the numbers that you need to make. Um, and so that's just leads to a high rate of burnout with people who are in ministry and um, and even people who aren't in, employed full-time ministry but are leading and serving and giving and volunteering. Um, you know, we get so used to the performance and the soul care is learning what are the practices that help me to love God with my whole, whole self my body, mind, soul, and strength. Um, and that's where they sort of landed was that, you know, many in full-time ministry, many people who are leading in, 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 in um, higher profile roles don't have safe spaces to really decompress and um, let their guard down and speak. You know, they're looking at their image and <laughs> the image management we can get into. Um, so they've really spoken to it a, a, um, a need, a really big need. And they are, um, what they are offering is, is getting out there. Uh, people are finding sabbatical, taking, you know, practices of Sabbath, uh, more contemplative practices that go against our, you know, performance mindset. Um, you know, we don't realize how disruptive silence and solitude can be <laughs> when you're sitting in so the mindset of being in mm. the presence of God and receiving from God. It's not, you know, we can hear the words navel gazing, mm -hmm. kind of introspective. I think we've done a real disservice in terms of our healing process to um, not give value to the space of introspection and being quiet and growing in your self-awareness, you know? Yeah, I tremendously appreciate just a couple of themes that, that I just wanna briefly say. First of all, is this uh, kind of the way that we culturally have adopted pacing. So I remember when I, when I first became a therapist, the number one uh, factor that they really helped us when we were getting trained to really focus on is pacing you control a lot of things through pacing and so when someone's pacing is high it's reflective of a ton of anxiety and stress and so when our pacing is going really fast we come off a certain way to other people but then we are not settled and so it's almost getting to a point where your theology is most representative of your pacing so like I'm learning more about my theology and I'm learning more about other people's doctrinal sort of understanding by how fast they're trying to go. You know, the, the, 
rushing or going fast does not seem to be a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I, I may be off. I may need to look at it in the Greek. <laughs> but going at 100 miles an hour, I don't think it made it into the list in terms of fruits of the Spirit. Regardless, um, it just feels normal. It feels homeostatic to have go fast. And if you for one moment, you know, uh, sort of bask in God's pleasure for you, that's complacency. We can get these inner critical voices that get developed too. I'm not doing enough. I got yeah. baptized. I got converted to produce. I got, you know, I don't want to, you know, God's grace is not without effect, right? And so then we make that into a performance and that type of thing. And it is very interesting how that very much parallels the culture that we live in. So thank you for sharing that. Um, but again, that pacing. And so I'll just say for my wife and I, and I joke about it. We just started observing Sabbath this year. We have two kids in diapers. But I tell, I tell people, I joke around that, you talk about solitude, when most days when I'm you know praying to God, I definitely, I feel like I get his voicemail. But on the Sabbath, I feel like he picks up. And it's almost like this direct feed <laughs> with God that I'm telling you is different. It is different on the Sabbath. And again, I'm not one of these you know, Torah observant, whatever, but it's more like there's, there's something very honoring about that that practice and, and even just the rhythm that comes out of it. It's not just one one thing I'm learning. It's not just about one day. It's about a, a, a total renovation of rhythm. <laughs> and it almost kind of feels like soul care, you know, is multidimensional, right? You guys are helping people to be yes. holistic in their thinking. Is that kind of what I'm getting? I think so. Yes. I think that, yeah, I yeah, hope, hope so. I think... Um, and with spiritual direction, what you're doing is just helping people see how God is working mm. in their life. You know, you're not, it's, it's really a, a misnamed vocation. It's, we don't direct anything. If, if any direction's going on, it's directing people mm. back to God. And so you're trying to listen with them and listen to their story and listen for, for how God is meeting them now how they are experiencing God now. And when you have somebody, I know I've got a spiritual director, when when that time with him is the best time for me every month because I've got somebody there listening to God and me at the same time and trying to help me see what God is doing. You know, help me ex really in embrace it mm -hmm. and be more attuned to it. And for me living, the more attuned I am, the more aware of I am of his presence, the more attuned I am to his presence, boy, there are so many things that so many struggles just go away <laughs> because I, I mean, it just bring, it just gives me life to, um, to, to know God. I mean, when Jesus said, this is eternal life to know God, <laughs> then that's when we begin to experience that on a deeper level, um, that it's beyond behavior, but beyond do's and don'ts. But, but in, um, in really, I don't know what I've been thinking about lately is joining the family mm. business with, <laughs> with God, you know, it's, it's, it's working, with, working with him, uh, not for him, not under him, but with him. That's a, that's a, that bring, you can bring that into every part of your life. So I'm, 
I love it. Yeah. And I love what you said about the practices, you know, practicing Sabbath, what you're getting out of it, that you feel like it's the time that God picks up. I mean, what has been um, uh, freeing to learn about the practices is the goal isn't to do the practice perfectly. The goal is for the practice to draw me closer to God. And if a practice isn't doing that, I can let it go. I'm not failing. I can move to something else. But then like what you were expressing with practicing Sabbath and what you're receiving in that, as you continue to practice it, how much more will that get into the daily that you experience God picking up yeah. every day? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's just like, that's experiencing the presence of God all the time. And that's the, that's, that's the place I want to learn to live, you know? So, so I, I like this idea of spiritual direction. This is a like spiritual formation. There's kind of been one dominant template for what spiritual formation looks like. You know, we, uh, when you think about the term discipleship and when you have a mentor and then you're getting spiritual direction, it's almost like the, the, the word discipleship or discipling, um, and spiritual direction that, that some people would be confused about what you're saying, which is, and what, and that type of thing. And I think spiritual direction, if you don't know of that term, for those who are listening, you're going to be hearing about it more and more, right? Can you just for a moment help people understand a little bit about like spiritual direction or spiritual, you know, people who are spiritual directors and that type of thing? Just give us a little bit more information about that. We have defined discipleship. Um... You know, it's just, it's, it's really letting somebody be where they are and mm. joining them there and attuning to the work that God is doing. Uh, it's not having to have the answers. It's not giving advice. It's not um, the responsibility, you know, um, my responsibility is, is offering, being in a prayerful place for those people I'm journeying with. You know, so I, I might add um, first, if we're going to contrast what discipleship um, is with uh, with spiritual direction, um, I think the main uh, one of the main goals in spiritual direction um, is is to deepen somebody's prayer life and to, to perhaps come to a place where we you can begin to experience that all of life is prayer. You know that 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 um, that praying without ceasing is not a burdensome thing, but it's like this ongoing relationship. As you see the consolation and the desolations, to use older language, uh, of the day. Um, but I think we have an opportunity here, especially I'm going to take every opportunity I get to talk about discipleship because I think, like Lindsay said, it's it's. Um, it may be a word that's that's lost its meaning in a lot of ways. I, I, I tend to fall back on apprenticeship uh, to Jesus more than um, more than discipleship, just because in our family of mm. churches, I think, and evangelicals in general, maybe discipleship has gotten skewed a bit. I mean, there if if it really is discipleship, then perhaps we should talk about all the spiritual disciplines and helping people learn about the spiritual disciplines with discipleship 
um, and begin to experience some of the contemplative ones. It's spiritual direction. It's it's the relationship with somebody who is bringing God into our relationship and helping me attune to what God is doing in my life. It's not right. them giving me their thinking of where they think I should be or the things um, I'm not doing, you know, but it's really a you could call it many things soul friend um you know a, a journey partner um just somebody being with you where you are maybe even helping you identify where you are in your walk with god identifying what god is doing in your life and maybe offering some practices for that for whatever season you're in if that's what you want um but it's really just the attuning to God, the work that God is doing in me. Somebody journeying with me where I am and helping me see the work that God is trying to do in growing me, you know, in, in showing me things about myself. Um, that's, that's how I experience uh, spiritual direction. That's... <laughs> And I love being in that place. And then spiritual direction is for people. It's not counseling. It's not therapy. Right. It's not any of that. Um, there, there should be more people that, that maybe seek out pastoral counseling, definitely with therapy. But, but with a spiritual direction and with a, like Lindsay said, a, a spiritual friendship or soul friend, it's more about listening, you know, really listening. And, and helping people grow in their, in their prayer life that way without trying to push them in any direction. Mm -hmm. Help them really learn how to hear God, how to hear what God is, where, where he's leading them. Yeah, those practices helped me <clears throat> help grow my faith to experience, really experience God in, in understanding my discipleship in a deeper way, going from the performative to a more introspective engagement with God through meditation and silence and solitude, through centering prayer, um, learning to listen to my brain, the things I was thinking when I was trying to sit in silence, um, seeing God work in those things, it became a um, not a shaming place able to hear his voice in a way of receiving those, you know, I'm not without character flaws and all that, but I could start hearing those things in a way of, of encouragement and growth out instead of shame. And so growing in that way with God actually kicked me back into a confidence in Christ stage and grew me in that confidence in Christ stage in a different way. In the help and discipleship stage, it, it kicked me back into that and, and there was some healing in help and discipleship, you know, in how I relationally with people, one-on-one, -on -one, mentoring, that kind of thing. It helped grow that deeper. Um, and so it, as I started to see those things change and deepen, it was like, really experiencing God doing the transforming work in me, not me having to figure out what I need to do and white knuckling it to just not think this thing or not behave this way, but 
learning to lean into this is God that's growing this. That's what grace is. God doing something in me that I cannot do for myself. Those practices show me those the practices are things that I can do to make room for God to do the transforming work that he only he can do. One of let me just I really want to encourage both of you for a moment and I I I can't tell you how much it means as someone who's you know a generation or two you know uh, subsequent to you how refreshing it is to see both of you fully alive and growing in your confidence and how much God loves you just because of who he is and who he's called you into to be for with him and that it 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 just feels so affirming to be with someone who's been around for a while who uh, is looking at growing in the security and the attachment to God. And then, you know, if, if we have behaviors or we have things that we're doing, that it comes from that. And I don't know that, you know, my generation, generation below me can just figure out how to have permission to do that without seeing it in you guys. <laughs> and, and I think that seeing it modeled in you guys is so healthy and healing um, because there is this aspect of permission. People do not have permission to just be a child of God, typically. There is a mandate. There is a pressuring um, to go and do. And there's a lot. Of, it's confusing on whether or not it's it's just okay to know that we're loved right now, right here. And we know it. It's like God first loved us. He put in all the work before we responded, before we were even born. And we can even look at Jesus. The first words to Jesus is, I, 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 you have my pleasure. I mean, that's what he heard at the beginning of his ministry. It started out with God's pleasure. And it just feels like with soul care, soul shepherding, that you guys are in the business partly of helping people to get permission, true permission. It, and it's not just coming from you. It's coming from God and his word. That this is God's intention, that people can release the burdens around proving, around propping themselves up, that that's unnecessary in Christ. And so I just appreciate, and I just want to encourage you, thank you for modeling that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I could thank you enough for that. Well, it, I mean, it, it brings us life. And I think, I think part of it is, is I, I realize that, um, you know, at this stage in our life, I mean, I'm in my, I'm in my early 60s, um, it's easy to it's easy to look back with um, I mean I think it's normal to have some regrets you can get stuck in it but like you you would do things differently but it's not like um, when when my physical body stops being I, I don't need my physical body anymore um, that my life stops who I am is not just my body right now and i really believe that my life lies before me it doesn't lie behind me my life lies before me and so now i have the opportunity to interact with god in such a way that he can make he can change my character i can i can actually live out the sermon on the mount i can i can live without lust i can live without worry I can, I can love my enemies, that it will become easy to do that because it'll be subtle character. I mean, Kyle, I mean, I am fired up about the future. 
You know, I, Jesus says, I'm never going to taste death like other people. I, I'm, I'm just going to live as though that's true. Like I really believe it. So I appreciate your words. I think um, that the younger generation part, um, I think that's where when we're talking about those Christ stages, I think it's appropriate to have all kinds of energy and going out and sharing your faith and uh, inviting people to church, which is really kind of what we meant early on when we're talking about sharing your faith um, and and all of that. But when you when you look at those Christ stages, the confidence in Christ, that's a great time to just fall in love with God at a certain level uh, to to get help in discipleship. That would be the H in the Christ stages, uh, confidence in Christ and help in discipleship. And then responsibilities in ministry. You know, we when you're young, when you're a young Christian, you can load people up with a lot of things to do that are great things. They're learning their gifts. They're learning how to do things. But what we've seen is that eventually you you come to a wall. And that's and and so that's the part that we see most people in our generation and maybe you know a little bit younger than us they have been given blood sweat and tears to whatever church they've been in whatever congregation they've been in and they're it's dry and it's just not working anymore or any kind of identity they're getting is for because of people appreciating all their hard work and that just is not sustainable right. going forward Yeah, I've, I've actually, I'm looking at the Christ stages map and this is a great segue for us. Uh, I, that wall is right before the inner journey. And so I'm wondering for you guys, when you see people hit the wall, I mean, you guys have a, a bit of a purview now, but um, can you can you maybe just go through these Christ stages just briefly and just give people a little bit of a, a headline of, let's start with the inner journey. After someone hits the wall, the inner journey sort of begins. What What is that? You may want to back up to the wall. You want to talk about the wall that it's more of a... Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, first, what we... One of the things that has brought us life and so engaged us with the uh, journey of the soul and Christ stages, what, what Bill and Christy Galtier have put together, um, is an understanding of what the wall is and that it is a normal part of your journey in your walk mm. with God. I think um, <clears throat> my experience with people hitting moral failings or burnouts or Christ stages was, could be a bit of an accusation of not just trust God more, just go read your Bible more, mm. just share your faith more. There must be some hidden sin. There must be, you're not doing something Right. Um, and so that putting that kind of shaming and accusing language to it instead of understanding that we are going to hit walls, we are going to have crisis in our faith, we are going to possibly get burned out. Some of us are going to have moral failings, experience compassion fatigue, you know, um, so what I had experienced was instead of really being, you know, permission's a tough, not a tough word, but um, I had to get to a place of having the confidence 
and care for myself to give myself permission. I did not need to look mm -hmm. to anybody else to give me permission to draw closer to God, to grow in my relationship mm. with God. You know, um, that had to come from me, but it took as a rule follower, that took a little while for me to <laughs> grow that muscle and get there. Um, but when I just hearing about the wall and that this is a normal part of our journey and we can hit, we will hit different walls throughout our walk with God. We, it's not just, so it's not a linear walk, right? It's more of a cyclical walk. We hit a wall. For me, it was a crisis of faith. It was a, is this all there is? Um, and then there, there, um, the language of what an inner journey is, that a wall is actually an act of God's grace to draw us nearer to him. That was okay. beautiful. I was like, that's not so scary. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean they feel good. Doesn't mean there's not, you know, it, it's unknown, um, it, especially if it's coming from a moral failing. There's a lot of internal work to do, you know, um, but the description of the inner journey, if you hit a wall, if you're really hitting a wall, being able to say no to some things, to let some things go, it's an opportunity to engage in some of these more contemplative practices, listening practices, silence and solitude, Lexio Divina Bible meditation, um, centering prayer, um, things like that that really help quiet, help us learn to quiet our minds, help us learn to practice listening, practice hearing from God, um, and being okay, I think you had shared before, just that, that stillness and that presence of, I can just sit and rest as the beloved, you know, yeah. um, we don't generally give ourselves permission to sit and just be, well, if he says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And there is such a, a different depth and, um, intimacy to our relationship with God when we give ourselves that place to just be quiet and be in his presence learn what that what that means um, and there's you know there's a lot of things uh, Kyle with the inner journey that like we had a we have a friend that they decided to take a sabbatical from church from the church that they had been attending they didn't stop reading they didn't stop praying they didn't stop interacting with people but they decided that they needed a sabbatical. So it was a couple of months. Uh, and they, when they came back, they were in a much different place. Um, mm. They weren't, they weren't uh, thinking that they needed to change anything at the church. They, uh, and, and so it was just so great uh, that they gave themselves that space to take a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And they were really open with people about it. And so it was, it was a really, it was a great thing. So, and in that inner journey, and then, you know, all kinds of things came up with them, some of their own stuff and some of their own perceptions. And, mm -hmm. and, and they have a deeper relationship to God now. Uh, and, you know, that's, it, it was, it was wonderful mm -hmm. uh, to see. And 
Lindsay and I kind of joke that we we want to build a welcome station at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> we want to welcome people mm. to the wall uh, and help them into the inner journey as best we can, you know, as in journeying with them. Um, because what's on the other side of the inner journey of, and, and to back up a little bit, this might be a time where you decide you, you, you know, I need a, I need a few therapy sessions or I need, you know, a Christian therapist, or I need to, you know, get some counseling on some specific things or trauma that's come up as they, as they bubble up in that. So just to, to really um, step back, maybe say no to some serving in the ministry and in, in your ministry and the, at the local congregation, which, you know, you have to walk delicately, but hopefully people are going to, uh, are going to be more receptive to really caring about each other's soul and not just getting everything done that has to get done. Well, I, I, uh, I really appreciate that. And I want to actually, uh, apply this to some specifics because you guys have on here individuals leadership groups and congregations one of the things that we all want is we all want to be part of a mature congregation now i think one of the most challenging things is actually trying to find one including like wherever right it's hard to find a mature group of people it's just it's where some groups are in their their story arc i mean it maturity takes time and God's spirit and it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a feat, but it's, it's, it's the goal is maturity. Now, one of the things we need for maturity are, you know, we need shepherds. We need, some people would say elders, right? Well, the thing is, is that there's different types of elders, right? We certainly don't even close to have enough, but even if we did, one thing I've started to realize just is, okay, certain elders, some are maybe a little bit more administrative, others are a little bit more pastoral or count, they can counsel. Regardless, I it feels to me that something like this, because there's a lot of shepherds, a lot of elder people who are like, okay, I want to serve. I want to help the young. I want to help those with young kids. I want to help. I want to be useful. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people who feel de-skilled. And, and many people are like, well, I, I'm not going to get a counseling degree or I'm not whatever. But let's just say as a primer, someone were to uh, want to use this to grow in their skills in being an elder or a shepherd, how, how highly would you recommend this be a part of sort of their personal curriculum for that endeavor? Oh, I think it would be, personally, I think it would be crucial, you know, because hmm. to have an understanding of all the Christ stages, if you are in a shepherding role, regardless um, if you want to be in a specific niche with it, um, to understand that in a, in a healthy congregation, there are going to be people in all of these stages. Right. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to be at the same stage at the same time. You're going to have new people coming in, people who've never had any background, you know, there's going to be somebody at every stage. And so I think it's crucial to understand the stages and how to meet people where they are, how to help people identify where they are in their walk with God. What are some practices that will encourage and bring life and intimacy with God at each of those stages? Um, I, I think it's 
it gives language and it gives a roadmap and a guide mm. to somebody's walk. You know, um, I think it's crucial. I think too, where we always start, it was a couple of months ago, we were on uh, in a meeting with a small congregation that didn't even have full-time uh, leadership. And they were, you know, they wanted to talk to us because they wanted to figure out how they could help their congregation, right? This, this uh, group of just great-hearted people. But we, you know, we stepped back and said, so how are you? How is your soul? You know, what, what kind of, what, where are you at? And I think that elders, ministers, you know, leaders need to first start there. And, um, and we can speak about the Christ stages because we've really worked on our story. I mean, we've really been able to articulate, we can articulate it now because we've gone through uh, really learning, really doing the self-discovery, uh, the self-awareness of where we, where we are. And you can be in more than one stage at a time, but, but, to, but you need to be able to speak from, I, don't, I wouldn't say just experience, but I think one of my things that I talk about a lot is that you've got to be that reservoir. Mm -hmm. You've yeah. got to, you know, you've got to be filled up. And, and when Jesus said, you know, you become springs like living water, right, will come out of you, that, that you share out of the abundance, not just, not just concepts, but out of how you can speak from your own story. Yeah and help people um, from, from that. So you become, you know, you're spilling out on other people instead of being a canal that can go dry. So to really be that reservoir. So we think that would need to start. That's why we, we um, when people approach us, we, we try to deal, help them see where they're at first. Yeah, I, pr I appreciate that. And that's a word of encouragement that we need. Um, I, there's so many different contexts that uh, this applies to. I've had, uh, I've had um, people from the Amish community reach out to me, and uh, it's quite fascinating the the shifts that are happening kind of all over the place. But I mean, like in the Amish community, they have people who are you know looking for this type of program and healing, and like we just don't realize how many people are looking to heal. Like a big part of Jesus's ministry was the healing ministry. He taught. He preached, but he healed. And if you take away the healing, you take away the power of the preaching and the teaching. It's, it's, it's like it's a package deal. And in fact, I guess the reason why I bring up the church hurts is because I, and I am a friend of ministers and members alike, but I see so many people put all of this energy into preaching, into teaching, and then you see so much of it fall apart because of a lack of healing. When people are not healing, it, it, you can teach them and you can preach to them, but you got Jesus healed people. And then when he healed them, they couldn't shut up. They didn't, you know, please don't share this. Uh, now the whole town knows. <laughs> and that's when he, when healing happens, everyone knows about it. So this is something I'm wondering about. And I actually covered this with Steve Wormer. But, you know, I know that people want to grow and churches want to be fruitful and I want that and you want that and we all want that and God wants that. But if we just, and I, I think some people are fearful of navel gazing or whatever, but if we can really get people healing, and this could be a, a very effective mechanism, 
maybe we won't get them to shut up about their healing. <laughs> and maybe they'll tell their neighbors and their teachers and their friends and their relatives. They won't shut up because the healing is literally, is, is a form of resurrection. So it's, it's almost like, what if we could, you know what I mean? I know you guys are catching what I'm saying. I'm preaching in the choir, but you get what I'm saying here. Right. Well, you know, something that something that I started thinking a, a few years ago and, and bringing up is, you know, in James, it says, confess your sins one another so that you can be healed. You know, that that and I, I came to see in my own life and in many other people's life that most compulsive sin, that sin that you fall into over and over again, has something to do with something that's not healed. That there's. I think it's a roadmap, you know, I think that our behaviors and even our, that compulsive, those compulsive sins can be the roadmap, roadmap back to what, what Jesus wants to heal in us. Now, he, he doesn't force his way, you know, and in Revelation 320, he says he knocks, he doesn't break down the door. He doesn't make us, you know, uh, do anything that we don't want to do. He gives us volition. And so, but to seek healing and not, you know, it's not immediate and it's not, you know, uh, it, on our schedule, but to walk into it, that there are things that we, uh, that's, that's our part that we need to do. I mean, Jesus had those people, most of them do something. Uh, one guy had to hike, I don't know, a couple of miles away to go, to go get washed, you know. He, he did different things, and I believe that he wants to do that with us. I, I've experienced it. Beautiful, beautiful. I tell you what, you guys uh, have given me more than what I bargained for, and I mean that. I, I love this. I, I would love to, as we get ready to bring it in for a landing here, any, you know, like I have the two books here. Um, as we get ready to explain just for a moment, like the, the, two, the two books, let's start with this one journey of the soul um and then we have this one here if you could explain what this one is so let's start with this one okay so journey of the soul is something that you can read on your own um or that second book is a, a small group guide okay leader's guide to go along with that book now soul shepherding has some uh some resources like some short videos so if you were doing it in a uh, small group setting at the beginning of the pandemic, we did a journey of the soul group and it was all on zoom after the first week because, um, or that was, that was a different one, but we, we did a journey of the soul, um, all, all on zoom. We had maybe 30, 40 people on it. And, and so there are some small group resources that are free. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you guys, uh, today. I, it has been a blessing and I am, I, I feel unexpectedly kind of blown away with not just your, your knowledge, cause you guys are speaking, uh, right at the heartstrings, but it's your journey. Like genuinely speaking, you guys take the journey part of that and, and then it's your life and you've taken that part serious. And I just appreciate that. And you can just tell when people have walked with Jesus, they, they move differently. There's a different speech. There's a different pace to them. And I can tell you guys have been with God and. Um, there's a lot of people who like you could maybe describe this to, but seeing it, some, someone take the risk and do this. Thank you for being models for this. And I really hope 
uh, that this is something that people decide. If you're if you've watched this, please, I would highly recommend um, highly recommend checking this out because when I when I as a therapist, one of the things I, I look for I look for trauma informed stuff. I look for stuff that's safe, but I also look for stuff that's biblical because if it's not if it's not biblically grounded, you're really not going to get anywhere. And it's got to align as a Christian. It's got to align with your core. It just it does. Um, and so I'm really excited just about how this transforms. I, I want to tell you guys what I tell everyone and as cheesy as it sounds, I really believe this to be very true that we are with you and that God is for you. And I, I mean that, and we are, we're behind you. Thank you for being models. Well, if you've taken a look at this entire video, uh, and go back and look at it, we, I, I pray that you find it useful. I'm going to continue in the series to add uh, different programs or spiritual discovery. Uh, there's other programs too that are out there to help people on their journey of healing. I definitely think that as someone who does trauma, uh, there's enough, you know, informing, but at some point we got to help people to move forward. And that's what I look forward to helping people do. I'll see you next time.